0: Welcome to This Week in Surgery, your filtered medical journal summary. Looking to stay up to date with the latest medical research but short on time? This Week in Surgery has you covered. Our podcast provides you with a convenient, on-the-go solution to keep you informed about the most significant developments in the surgical field. We understand that your time is valuable, so we've done the hard work for you. Each episode offers a filtered and concentrated summary of key journal articles, allowing you to stay informed without the need to sift through pages of research papers. With This Week in Surgery, listening is faster than reading, and you can consume valuable medical knowledge while commuting, exercising, or during your daily routine, including in the operating room. This Week in Surgery we will be discussing recently published articles. First, Annals of Surgery. Systematic reviews and meta-analyses of the procedure-specific risks of thrombosis and bleeding in general abdominal, colorectal, upper gastrointestinal, and hepatopancreato-biliary surgery. Objective. To provide procedure-specific estimates of symptomatic venous thromboembolism, BTE, and major bleeding after abdominal surgery. Background The use of pharmacological thromboprophylaxis represents a trade-off that depends on BTE and bleeding risks that vary between procedures, their magnitude remains uncertain. Methods We identified observational studies reporting procedure-specific risks of symptomatic BTE or major bleeding after abdominal surgery, adjusted the reported estimates for thromboprophylaxis and length of follow-up, and estimated cumulative incidence at four weeks post-surgery, stratified by VTE risk groups, and rated evidence certainty. Results. After eligibility screening, 285 studies, 8,048,635 patients, reporting on 40 general abdominal, 36 colorectal, 15 upper gastrointestinal, and 24 hepatopancreato biliary surgery procedures proved eligible evidence certainly proved generally moderate or low for VTE and low or very low for bleeding requiring reintervention the risk of VTE varied substantially among procedures in general abdominal surgery from a median of less than 0.1% in laparoscopic cholecystectomy to a median of 3.7% in open small bowel resection in colorectal from 0.3% in minimally invasive sigmoid colectomy to 10.0% in emergency open total proctocolectomy, and in upper gastrointestinal-slash-hepatopancreatobiliary from 0.2% in laparoscopic sleeve gastrectomy to 6.8% in open distal pancreatectomy for cancer. Conclusions VTE thromboprophylaxis provides net benefit through VTE reduction with a small increase in bleeding in some procedures e.g., open colectomy and open pancreatic whereas the opposite is true in others, e.g., laparoscopic cholecystectomy and elective growing hernia repairs. In many procedures, thromboembolism and bleeding risks are similar, and decisions depend on individual risk prediction and values and preferences regarding VTE and bleeding. Elective laparoscopic parasophageal hernia repair leads to an increase in life expectancy over watchful waiting in asymptomatic patients, an updated Markov analysis. Objective. The aim of this study was to perform an updated Markov analysis to determine the optimal management strategy for patients with an asymptomatic parasophageal hernia, PEH, elective laparoscopic hernia repair, ELHR, versus watchful waiting, WW. Background. Currently, it is recommended that patients with an asymptomatic pay not undergo repair based on a 20-year-old Markov analysis. The current recommendation might lead to preventable hospitalizations for acute pay-related complications and compromised survival. Methods A Markov model with updated variables was used to compare life years, (LYs) gained with ELHR versus WW in patients with a pay. One-way sensitivity analyzes evaluated the robustness of the analysis to alternative data inputs, while probabilistic sensitivity analysis quantified the level of confidence in the results in relation to the uncertainty across all model inputs. Results At age 40 to 90, ELHR led to greater life expectancy than WW, particularly in women. The gain in LYs, 2.6, was greatest in a 40-year-old woman and diminished with increasing age. Sensitivity analysis showed that alternative values resulted in modest changes in the difference in LYs, but ELHR remained the preferred strategy. Probabilistic analysis showed that ELHR was the preferred strategy in 100% of 10,000 simulations for age 65, 98% for age 80, 90% for age 85, and 59% of simulations in 90-year-old women. Conclusions This updated analysis showed that ELHR leads to an increase in LYs over WW in healthy patients aged 40 to 90 years with an asymptomatic pay. In this new paradigm, all patients with a pay, regardless of symptoms, should be referred for the consideration of elective repair to maximize their life expectancy. The revised R-status is an independent predictor of post-resection survival in pancreatic cancer after neoadjuvant treatment. Objective. To investigate the oncological outcomes of patients with pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma, PDAC, who had an R0 or R1 resection based on the revised R-status, 1 mm, after neoadjuvant therapy, NAT. Background. The revised R status is an independent prognostic factor in upfront resected TAC. however, the significance of 1 mm margin clearance after NAT remains controversial. Methods Patients undergoing pancreatectomy after NAT for Ptac were identified from two prospectively maintained databases. Clinical pathological and survival data were analyzed. The primary outcomes were overall survival, OS, recurrence-free survival, RFS and pattern of recurrence in association with R0 greater than 1 mm and R1 less than or equal to 1 mm resections. Results. 357 patients with PAC were included after NAT and subsequent pancreatic resection. 208 patients, 58.3%, received Fofirinox, 41 patients, 11.5%, received gemcitabine-based regimens, and 299 individuals, 83.8% received additional radiotherapy. R0 resections were achieved in 272 patients, 76.2%, and 85 patients, 23.8%, had R1 resections. Median OS after R0 was 41.0 months, compared with 20.6 months after R1 resection, P equals 0.002, and even longer after additional adjuvant chemotherapy. R044.8 versus R1 20.1 months, P equals 0.0032. Median RFS in the R0 subgroup was 17.5 months versus 9.4 months in the R1 subgroup, P less than 0.0001. Our status was confirmed as an independent predictor for OS, R1 hazard ratio, 1.56, 95% C, 1.07 to 2.26, and RFS, R1 hazard ratio, 1.52, 95% C, 1.14 to 2.0. In addition, R1 resections were significantly associated with local but not distant recurrence, p less than 0.0005. Conclusions. The revised R status is an independent predictor of post-resection survival and local recurrence in TAC after NAT. Achieving our 0 resection with a margin of at least 1 mm should be a primary goal in the surgical treatment of PAC after NAT. <music> Nationwide use and outcome of minimally invasive distal pancreatectomy in ideal stage 4 following a training program and randomized trial. Objective to assess the nationwide long-term uptake and outcomes of minimally invasive distal pancreatectomy, MIDP, after a nationwide training program and randomized trial. Background Two randomized trials demonstrated the superiority of MIP over open distal pancreatectomy, ODP, in terms of functional recovery and hospital stay. Data on implementation of MIP on a nationwide level are lacking. Methods nationwide audit-based study including consecutive patients after MIP and ODP in 16 centers in the Dutch Pancreatic Cancer Audit, 2014-2021. The cohort was divided into three periods, early implementation, during the Leopard randomized trial, and late implementation. Primary endpoints were MIP implementation rate and textbook outcome. Results. Overall, 1,496 patients were included with 848 MIP 56.5%, and 648 ODP, 43.5%. From the early to the late implementation period, the use of MIP increased from 48.6% to 63.0% and of robotic MIP from 5.5% to 29.7%, p less than 0.001. The overall use of MIP, 45% to 75%, and robotic MIP, 1% to 84%, varied widely between centers, P less than 0.001. In the late implementation period, five sixteenth centers performed more than 75% of procedures as MIT. After MIT, in-hospital mortality and textbook outcome remained stable over time. In the late implementation period, ODP was more often performed in ASA score 3-4, 24.9% versus 35.7%, P equals 0.001, Pancreatic cancer, 24.2% versus 45.9%, P less than 0.001, vascular involvement, 4.6% versus 21.9%, P less than 0.001, and multivisceral involvement, 10.5% versus 25.3%, P less than 0.001. After mid, shorter hospital stay, median 7 vs 8D p less than 0.001, and less blood loss, median 150 versus 500 milliliters, p less than 0.001, but more grade BC postoperative pancreatic fistula, 24.4% versus 17.2%, p equals 0.008, occurred as compared to ODP. Conclusion A sustained nationwide implementation of MIP after a successful training program and randomized trial was obtained with satisfactory outcomes. Future studies should assess the considerable variation in the use of MIP between centers and, especially, robotic MIP. Next article is from Journal of American Medical Association Surgery. Implementation of Best Practices in Pancreatic Cancer Care in the Netherlands Importance implementation of new cancer treatment strategies as recommended by evidence-based guidelines is often slow and suboptimal. Objective to improve the implementation of guideline-based best practices in the Netherlands in pancreatic cancer care and assess the impact on survival. Design, setting, and participants this multi-center, Step Wedge Cluster Randomized Trial compared enhanced implementation of best practices with usual care in consecutive patients with all stages of pancreatic cancer. It took place from May 22, 2018 through July 9, 2020. Data were analyzed from April 1, 2022 through February 1, 2023. It included all patients in the Netherlands with pathologically or clinically diagnosed pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma. This study reports one year follow up or shorter in case of deceased patients. Intervention The five best practices included optimal use of perioperative chemotherapy, palliative chemotherapy, pancreatic enzyme replacement therapy, PERT, referral to a dietitian, and use of metal stents in patients with biliary obstruction. A six-week implementation period was completed, in a randomized order in all 17 Dutch networks for pancreatic cancer care. Main outcomes and measures the primary outcome was one-year survival. Secondary outcomes included adherence to best practices and quality of life, European Organization for Research and Treatment of Cancer, EWARC, Global Health Score. Results overall, 5,887 patients with pancreatic cancer, median age, 72.0, IQR, 64.0 to 79.0, years, 50% female, were enrolled, 2,641 before and 2,939 after implementation of best practices, 307 during wash in period. One year survival was 24% versus 23%, hazard ratio, 0.98, 95% C, 0.88 to 1.08. There was no difference in the use of neoadjuvant chemotherapy, 11% versus 11%, adjuvant chemotherapy, 48% versus 51%. And referral to a dietitian, 59% versus 63%, while the use of palliative chemotherapy, 24% versus 30%, odds ratio, or 1.38, 95% c, 1.10 to 1.74, per, 34% versus 45%, or 1.64, 95% c, 1.28 to 2.11, and metal biliary stents increased, 74% versus 83% or, 1.78, 95% C, 1.13 to 2.80. The EWORK Global Health Score did not improve, area under the curve, 43.9 versus 42.8, median difference, minus 1.09, 95% C, minus 3.05 to 0.94. Conclusions and relevance in this randomized clinical trial, implementation of five best practices in pancreatic cancer care did not improve one-year survival and quality of life. The finding that most patients received no tumor-directed treatment paired with the poor survival highlights the need for more personalized treatment options. next article is from british journal of surgery prevention of incisional hernia with retrorectus synthetic mesh versus biological mesh following loop ileostomy closure pre-loop trial background the rate of incisional hernia after closure of a temporary loop ileostomy is significant synthetic meshes are still commonly avoided in contaminated wounds the pre-loop trial was a multi-center rct designed to evaluate the benefits of synthetic mesh in incisional hernia prevention and its safety for use in a contaminated surgical site compared with biological mesh. Methods Study patients who underwent closure of a loop ileostomy after anterior resection for rectal cancer were assigned to receive a retrorectus synthetic or biological mesh to prevent incisional hernia. The primary outcomes were surgical site infections within 30 days and clinical or radiological incisional hernia incidence at 10 months. Secondary outcomes were reoperation rate, operating time, duration of hospital stay, other complications within 30 days of surgery, five year quality of life measured by RAND 36, and incisional hernia incidence within five years of follow up. Results Between November 2018 and September 2021, 102 patients were randomized, of whom 97 received the intended allocation. At 10 month follow up, 90 patients had undergone clinical evaluation and 88 radiological evaluation. One patient in each group, 2%, had a clinical diagnosis of incisional hernia, P equals 0.950, and one further patient in each group had a CT confirmed incisional hernia, P equals 0.949. The number of other complications, reoperation rate, operating time, and duration of hospital stay did not differ between the study groups. Conclusion Synthetic mesh appeared comparable to biological mesh in efficacy and safety for incisional hernia prevention at the time of loop ileostomy closure. Next article is from Journal of Vascular Surgery. Effective narrow paravisceral aorta on target vessel instability after fenestrated and branched endovascular aortic repair. Objective: To investigate the effect of narrow paravisceral aorta (NPA) on target vessel instability (TVI) after fenestrated branched endovascular aortic repair. Methods: We conducted a single-center retrospective study, 2014 to 2023, of patients treated by fenestrated branched endovascular aortic repair for thoracoabdominal aortic aneurysms (TAAA) or pararenal aortic aneurysms. Results There were 142 patients with DRA-slash-perarenal aortic aneurysm, N equals 85, 59%, and extent 4, N equals 24, 17%, or extend I3, N equals 33, 23%, Ta, with 513 target arteries successfully incorporated through a fenestration, N equals 294, 57%, or directional branch, N equals 219, A NPA was present in 95 patients, 70%, 73, 86%, treated by fenestrated endovascular aortic repair, fever, and 22, 39%, by branched endovascular aortic repair, cover. The overall 30-day mortality was 2% and technical success was 99%, without differences between NPA and non-NPA, P equals 099 Kaplan meier estimated freedom from TBI at 4 years was 82%, 81%, 95% C, 75 to 95, in patients with a NPA and 80%, 95% C, 68 to 94, and in those without NPA, P equals 0.220. The result was maintained for both fever, NPA, 81%, 95% C, 62 to 88, non NPA, 76%. 95% C, 60 to 99, p equals 0.870, and Bever NPA, 77%, 95% C, 69 to 99, non NPA, 80%, 95% confidence interval, C, 66 to 99, p equals 0.100. After multivariate analysis, the concomitant presence of a NPA less than 20 mm and angulation of greater than 30 degrees was significantly associated with TBI and fever, HR, 3.21, 95% C, 1.03 to 48.70, P equals 0.036, being the result mostly driven by target vessel occlusion. In Bever, a NPA diameter of less than 25 mm was not associated with TBI, HR, 2.02, C, 0.59 to 5.23, P equals 0.948. After multivariate analysis, the use of outer branches in case of a NPA longitudinal extension of greater than 25 mm, hazard ratio, H.R., 3.02, 95% C, 1.01 to 36.33, P equals 0.040 and NPA severe calcification, H.R., 1.70, 95% C, 1.00 to 22.42, P equals 0.048, were associated with a higher chance for TVI. Conclusions. Fever and Bever are both feasible in cases of NPA and provide satisfactory target vessels durability. The use of outer branches should be avoided in cases with an inner aortic diameter of less than 25 mm with a longitudinal extension of greater than 25 mm or moderate to severe NPA calcifications. In fever, bridging stent patency may be negatively influenced by NPA of less than 20 mm in association with aortic angulation of greater than 30 degrees. One-year aneurysm sac dynamics are associated with reinterventions and rupture following infrarenal endovascular aneurysm repair. Objective. One-year aneurysm sac changes have previously been found to be associated with mortality and may have the potential to guide personalized follow-up following endovascular aneurysm repair, EVAR. In this study, we examine the association of these early sac changes with long-term reintervention and rupture. Methods. We identified all patients undergoing first-time EVAR for intact abdominal aortic aneurysm between 2003 and 2018 in the Vascular Quality Initiative with linkage to Medicare claims for long-term outcomes. We included patients with an imaging study at one year postoperatively. Aneurysm sac behavior was defined as per the Society for Vascular Surgery Guidelines, stable sac, less than 5 mm change, sac regression, greater than or equal to 5 mm; and sac expansion, greater than or equal to 5M. Outcomes included mortality, reintervention, and rupture within eight years, which were assessed with Kaplan-Meier methods and multivariable Cox regression analysis. Secondarily, we utilized polynomial spline interpolation to demonstrate the continuous relationship of diameter change to eight-year hazard of reintervention, rupture, or mortality as a composite outcome. Results. Of 31,185 of our patients, had an imaging study at one year and were included in this study. At one year, 44% of SACs remained stable, 49% regressed, and 6.2% displayed expansion. Following risk adjustment, compared with a stable SAC at one year, SAC regression was associated with lower eight year mortality, 49% versus 53%, hazard ratio, HR, 0.92. 95% confidence interval C 0.85 to 0.99 P equals 0.036 Reintervention rate 8.9% versus 15% HR 0.58 95% C 0.50 to 0.68 P less than 0.001 and rupture rate 2.0% versus 4.0% HR 0.45 95% C 0.29 0.29 to 0.69, p less than 0.001. Conversely, compared with a stable SAC, SAC expansion was associated with higher 8-year mortality, 64% versus 53%, Hr, 1.31, 95% c, 1.14 to 1.51, p less than 0.001, and reintervention rate, 27% versus 15%, Hr, 1.98, 95% c, to 2.51, p less than 0.001, but similar risk of rupture, 7.2% versus 4.0%, hr, 1.61, 95% c, 0.88 to 2.96, p equals 0.12. Polynomial spline interpolation demonstrated that, compared with no diameter change at one year, increased SAC regression was associated with an incrementally lower risk of late outcomes, Whereas increased sac expansion was associated with an incrementally higher risk of late outcomes. Conclusions Following EVAR, compared with a stable sac at one year imaging, sac regression and expansion are associated with a lower and higher risk, respectively, of long term mortality, reinterventions, and ruptures. Moreover, the amount of regression or expansion seems to be incrementally associated with these late outcomes, too. Future studies are needed to determine how to improve one-year sac regression, and whether it is safe to extend follow-up intervals for patients with regressing sacs. Comparison of limb outcomes between bypass surgery and endovascular therapy in dialysis dependent and independent patients with chronic limb-threatening ischemia. Objective. To examine limb salvage, LS, and wound healing in dialysis-dependent and independent patients with chronic limb-threatening ischemia, CLTI, after infrainguinal bypass surgery or endovascular therapy, EVT. Methods. We retrospectively analyzed the multi-centered data of patients who underwent infrainguinal revascularization for CLTI with wound, ischemia, and foot infection, wi stage 2-4 between 2015 and 2020. The primary endpoint was LS. The secondary endpoint included wound healing, amputation-free survival, AFS, paraprocedural complications, and two-year survival. Comparison of these outcomes were made after propensity score matching. Results We analyzed 252 dialysis-dependent, 318 limbs, and 305 dialysis-independent, 354 limbs, patients. Propensity score matching extracted 202 pairs with no significant differences in characteristics. The LS rate in bypass surgery was better than that in EVT in dialysis-dependent patients, p less than 0.001. There was no significant difference in the LS rates between bypass surgery in EVT and, and dialysis-independent patients, p equals 0.168. The wound healing rate of bypass surgery was better than that of EVT both dialysis-dependent and independent patients with CLTI. The AFS rate of bypass surgery was better than that of EVT in dialysis-dependent patients, p less than 0.001. There was no significant difference in the AFS rates between bypass surgery, AVT and dialysis-independent patients, p equals 0.099. There was no significant difference in the occurrence of Dino greater than or equal to 4 and 5 between bypass surgery and EBT in dialysis-dependent and independent patients. Age greater than or equal to 75 years, serum albumin levels less than 3.5 g-dL, and non-ambulatory status were risk factors for 2-year mortality in dialysis-dependent patients. The 2-year survival rates in dialysis-dependent patients with risk factors of 0, 1, 2, and three were 82.5%, 67.1%, 49.5%, and 10.2%, respectively, p less than 0.001. Conclusions: For LS and wound healing, bypass surgery was preferred for revascularization and dialysis-dependent patients with Wi-Fi stage two to four. Although dialysis dependency was one of the risk factors for two-year mortality, dialysis-dependent patients who have zero to one risk factors may benefit from bypass surgery, as 2-year survival of greater than 50% is expected. Next article is from Surgical Endoscopy. Impact of Laparoscopic versus Open Surgery on Humeral Immunity in Patients with Colorectal Cancer, A Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. Background Laparoscopic surgery, LS, is hypothesized to result in milder pro-inflammatory reactions due to less severe operative trauma, which may contribute to the observed clinical benefits after LS. However, previous systematic reviews and meta-analyses on the impact of LS on immunocompetence are outdated, limited and heterogeneous. Therefore, the humoral response after laparoscopic and open colorectal cancer, CRC, resections was evaluated in a comprehensive systematic review and meta-analysis. Methods Included were randomized controlled trials, RCTs, measuring parameters of humoral immunity after LS compared to open surgery, OS, in adult patients with CRC of any stage. Medline, Embase, Web of Science, SCI Expanded, Cochrane Library, Google Scholar, ClinicalTrials.gov and ICTRP, World Health Organization, were systematically searched. Risk of bias, ROB, was assessed using the Cochrane-ROB2 tool. Weighted inverse variance meta-analysis of mean differences was performed for C-reactive protein, CRP, interleukin, IL-6, IL-8, tumor necrosis factor, TNF, alpha and vascular endothelial growth factor, BEGF, using the random effects method. Methods were prospectively registered in Prospero, CRD 42021264324 Results 20 RCTs with 1,131 participants were included. Narrative synthesis and meta-analysis up to eight days after surgery was performed. Quantitative synthesis found concentrations to be significantly lower after LS at 0-2 hours after surgery, IL-8, at 3-9 hours, CRP, IL-6, IL-8, TNF-alpha, and at postoperative day 1, CRP, IL-6, IL-8, VEGF. At 3 to 9 hours, IL-6 was notably lower in the LS group by 86.71 pg ml mean difference, MD, minus 86.71 pg minus 125.05, minus 48.37, p less than 0.00001. Combined narratively, 13 studies reported significantly lower concentrations of considered parameters in LS patients, whereas only one study reported lower inflammatory markers, for CRP and IL-6, after OS. Conclusion The increase in postoperative concentrations of several pro-inflammatory parameters was significantly less pronounced after LS than after OS in this meta-analysis. Overall, the summarized evidence reinforces the view of a lower induction of inflammation due to LS. Next article is from Annals of Surgical Oncology. Total versus Subtotal Gastrectomy for Distal Gastric Poorly Cohesive Carcinoma Background Gastric Poorly Cohesive Carcinoma, PCC, in advanced stages has a poor prognosis. Total gastrectomy, TG, remains the common treatment for distal gastric PCC, but subtotal gastrectomy, SG, may improve quality of life without compromising outcomes. Currently, No clear recommendation on the best surgical strategy for distal PCC is available. This study aimed to compare overall survival, OS and disease-free survival, DFS, at 5 years for patients with antropiloric PCC treated by total versus subtotal gastrectomy. Methods a large retrospective European multicenter cohort study analyzed 2,131 patients treated for gastric cancer between 2007 and 2017 by members of the French Association of Surgery, AFC. The study compared a group of patients who underwent TG with a group who underwent SG for or PCC. The primary outcomes were 5-year OS and DFS. Results. The study enrolled 269 patients, 140, 52.0%, in the TG group and 129, 48.0%, in the SG group. The baseline characteristics and PTNM stage were similar between the two groups. According to dindo clavin classification, the patients treated with TG had more postoperative complications than the patients treated with SG, T less than 0.001, grades I to 77.1% versus 59.5%, and grades 5 to Eve, 14.4% versus 9.0%. No difference in five year OS was observed between TG, 53.8%, 95% confidence interval, C, 43.2 to 63.3%, and SG, 53.0%, 95% C, 41.4 to 63.3%, hazard ratio, HR, 0.94, 95% C, 0.68 to 1.29. The same was observed for five year DFS, TG, 46.0%, 95% C, 35.9 to 55.5%, versus SG, 45.3%, 95% C, 34.3 to 55.6%, HR, 0.97, 95% C, 0.70 to 1.34. Conclusions At 5 years, SG was not associated with worse OS and DFS than TG for distal PCC. Surgical morbidity was higher after TG. Subtotal gastrectomy is a valuable option for distal PCC gastric cancer. Next article is from Obesity Surgery. Banded versus Non-Banded Sleeve Gastrectomy, 5-Year Results of a 3-Year Randomized Controlled Trial Purpose Banded sleeve gastrectomy, BSG, has been shown to enable better weight loss than non-banded sleeve gastrectomy, SG, in retrospective analyzes. These findings were supported by two randomized controlled trials, RCT. However, to date, midterm prospective data is not available. Materials and Methods We invited all 94 patients of an RCT comparing banded to non-banded sleeve gastrectomy at 3 years, DRKS-00007729, for a 5-year follow-up visit. 82 patients, BSGN equals 42, SGN equals 40, came for evaluation. Outcome measures were identical with the RCT to allow longitudinal comparison. Data analysis was descriptive and focused on biometric data, development of comorbidities, midterm complications, quality of life, and type of body contouring surgery, BCS. Results The per-protocol analysis revealed a treatment difference of 9%, C-1.5 to 19.6, excess weight loss, EWL. Total weight loss, TWL, was 27.4%, C-23.5 to 31.3, after SG and 31.6%, C-27.3 to 35.5, after BSG. 20% of patients after SG and 11.9% following BSG had been converted to a gastric bypass. Type 2 diabetes went into remission in most patients, SG 66.7% versus BSG 63.6%. Antihypertensive medication was stopped or reduced in 81.3% after SG, and 80% after BSG. Reflux symptoms were similar in both groups, symptoms, Greater than or equal to one slash week, SG twenty eight point two percent versus BSG twenty six point eight percent. Frequency of postprandial regurgitation was higher after BSG, SG twenty three percent versus BSG fifty nine percent. Forty percent of patients had undergone BCS at time of follow up. Conclusion: Five year weight loss after BSG was nine percent EWL and four point two percent TWL higher compared to SG. The main added morbidity following BSG was postprandial regurgitation. <music> Next article is from Journal of the American College of Surgeons. Bookbinding Technique in Totally Laparoscopic Distal Gastrectomy with Bill Roth eye Reconstruction Clinical Results and Outcomes in 188 Patients with Gastric Cancer Background Laparoscopic gastrectomy is widely used as a curative treatment for gastric cancer. Although delta-shaped anastomosis is commonly used for Bill Roth I anastomosis after totally laparoscopic distal gastrectomy, TLDG, it has some drawbacks. The bookbinding technique, BBT, was developed as an alternative, and this study aimed to examine its short-term results in 188 consecutive cases. Study Design This retrospective study included patients who underwent BBT reconstruction after TLDG for gastric malignancy between 2011 and 2020. BBT is a technique for intracorporeal gastroduodenostomy, which is a triangular anastomosis with a linear stapler that does not require additional dissection or rotation of the duodenum. The short-term outcomes of BBT reconstruction and postoperative endoscopic findings were analyzed. Results This study evaluated 188 patients who underwent TLDG and BBT reconstruction. Anastomotic stenosis and leakage occurred in 1.1% and half a percent of the patients, respectively. The median time to the first diet was 3.1 days, and the median postoperative hospital stay was 11.9 days. BBT anastomoses were performed by 19 surgeons and took an average of 32.8 minutes to complete with completion times decreasing as the surgical team became more proficient. On endoscopy performed one year postoperatively, 5.2% had reflux esophagitis, grade A or higher, 67.8% had gastritis, grade 1 or higher, 37.4% had residual food, grade 1 or higher, and 37.4% had bowel reflux, grade 1. Conclusions BBT is a safe and feasible method for intracorporeal gastroduodenostomy and TLDG for patients with gastric malignancy and demonstrates good surgical outcomes. (music) Data Requirement for Animal-Derived Wound Care Devices, Limitations of the 510K Regulatory Pathway Background Device classification and preclinical data requirements for animal derived wound care products were recently reviewed by the FDA. Given the possible performance differences for these products, we evaluated the FDA data requirements as well as the published literature for all animal derived wound care products ever cleared through the FDA. Study Design The publicly available online database was queried for all animal derived wound products, pre market data requirements for each product were recorded. A PubMed search was conducted to determine the number of published clinical studies for each product and manufacturer websites were accessed to obtain the price for each product. Results A total of 132 animal-derived wound products have been cleared by the FDA since the Center for Devices and Radiological Health was established in 1976. Of these, 114 had a publicly available clearance statement online. Preclinical biocompatibility testing was performed in 85 products, 74.6%, and referenced in 10, 8.8%. Preclinical animal wound healing testing took place in 17, 14.9%. Only nine products, 7.9%, had clinical safety testing, and no products had clinical effectiveness data. We found no published peer-reviewed clinical data for 97 products, 73%. Cost was infrequently available but ranged from $4.79 to $2,178 per unit. Conclusions Although the current pathway is appropriate for efficiently clearing new wound care products, clinical effectiveness is not included in the regulatory review process. Wound care products are primarily evaluated by the FDA for safety and biocompatibility. Thus, any claims of clinical effectiveness require independent validation, which is often lacking. Next article is from Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery. Evaluating Potential Disparities in Geospatial Access to American College of Surgeons American Association for the Surgery of Trauma Verified Emergency General Surgery Centers. Background The American Association for the Surgery of Trauma and the American College of Surgeons have recently introduced Emergency General Surgery, EGS, center verification, which could enhance patient outcomes. Distance and resource availability may affect access to these centers, which has been linked to higher mortality. Although many patients can receive adequate care at community centers, those with critical conditions may require specialized treatment at EGS-verified centers. We aim to evaluate geospatial access to potential EGS-verified centers and identify disparities across different scenarios of EGS verification program uptake in the United States. Methods We used hospital capabilities and verified pilot centers to estimate potential patterns of which centers would become EGS-verified under four scenarios, EGS centers, high-volume EGS centers, high-volume EGS plus level-1 trauma centers, and quaternary referral centers. We calculated the spatial accessibility index using an enhanced two-step floating catchment technique to determine geospatial access for each scenario. We also evaluated social determinants of health across geospatial access using the Area Deprivation Index Results A total of 1,932 hospitals were categorized as EGS centers, 307 as high-volume EGS centers, 401 as high volume EGS plus level 1 trauma centers, and 146 as quaternary centers. Spatial accessibility index decreased as the stringency of EGS verification increased in each scenario 226.6, 111.7 to 330.7, 51.8, 0 to 126.1, 71.52, 3.34 to 164.56. 0 to 62.2, p less than 0.001. Within each scenario, spatial accessibility index also declined as the adi quartile increased, p less than 0.001. The high-volume EGS plus level one trauma center scenario had the most significant disparity in access between the first and fourth adi quartiles, minus 54.68. Conclusion Access to EGS-verified centers may vary considerably based on the program's implementation. Disadvantaged communities may be disproportionately affected by limited access. Further work to study regional needs can allow a strategic implementation of the EGS verification program to optimize outcomes while minimizing disparities. Thank you for listening to This Week in Surgery, your filtered medical journal summary. Have a great week ahead, stay blessed and be humane.